Hey guys, Tucker here, co-host of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let you know that we're currently looking for more projects. So for any of you guys that listen to the show that may be an agent or otherwise that have a property that you're looking to sell, we'd love to hear from you. Obviously, we're looking to purchase properties that are maybe not best suited for the retail market or maybe they need to be redeveloped. So we do renovations and we do new construction so we could buy an existing home that maybe it smells like cigarette smoke, maybe it hasn't been updated in decades, maybe it's got some fun functional issues, some problems like that, or maybe it's just in an area that is best suited to take the house down, partition the lot, maybe build a couple new homes, or just build one new home in its place, and anything in between. So if you guys out there in Listenerland have anything that would be best suited selling to a development company like ours, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com, and when you go there, there's a contact us tab. Click on that, and you can send us a message, and we'll get back to you shortly thereafter. We'd love to hear from any of you guys out there that have a property like this, and hopefully we we can do a deal together. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. Alright everybody out there in listener land, welcome back. This is episode 85 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. We have a very special episode for you this week for a couple reasons. Number one is, of course, I have my co-host with me, Mr. Steve Nassar. What's up, Steve-o? Hey, good to be on. Number two is, it's our favorite show of the year, which is the Street of Dreams recap show because we both went to the block party this past week and uh, it was quite the event and it was uh, a little bit on the hot side, we'll say. It was, it was. Yeah, and you know, Street of Dreams is just, when you really peel it back, it's really what we do. It's the heart and soul. I mean, it's, I can only imagine as a builder, it's even more so. But even as a realtor, you know, it's just the showpieces of today. It's the design, the best designs of today. It's And it's a competition, make no mistake. It's the best designs, it's the best amenities, it's the best floor plans, it's the best landscaping, it's everybody putting their best foot forward. Basically, almost I, you could almost say it's like a local Super Bowl for builders, but even realtors. In that vein, the block party is the kickoff of it, and it's kind of a who's who, everybody's there, you see all the familiar faces. There's people that the only time I ever see them is at the block party. <laughs> and. And you kind of relish that, you, you, you mingle, you get to see a lot of people, you get to say hi, you get to chat, you get to talk about what you're seeing there, the street, you get to get their take on things, you get to have some drinks, there's a band playing, that, gosh, last year there was jugglers and, and circus clowns on stilts, this year there was, did you see those, uh, it was a circus show, I don't know exactly what it was, they were like gymnasts or something. Yeah, I saw that, I'm glad they got rid of the clowns and kind of the circus freaks from last year, that was a little <laughs> weird, but... <laughs> I remember one of them walking by me, and they're like 12 feet tall. I was kind of nervous for him. I'm like, you're in a big, you're in a really crowded space. And one one wrong move by some drunk drunko the clown, and that's going to take down Stiltso the clown. So, what did you think of the overall location this year, Tucker? So, you know, I I try and walk a fine line here because I guess before we get into it, because I've done the show. I know what it takes, which is basically part of your soul to get, to get it done and just deal with everything that 
you know, is timelines and meetings and then ultimately the show, which is, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people that run through your house, some of which try and steal things, some of which to try and sue you, all kinds of fun stuff that happens during the actual show. But and, and, and just to just for our listeners that maybe don't remember last year, because I know you've mentioned it before, but it's such a cool story that it's worth repeating. When you were doing it, I think it was 2013, four days before the block party, you had a small fire. <laughs> yes, correct? it is. So our house almost burned down four days before the uh, insulators were under the house and uh, they were uh, cutting and stuffing insulation and they cut a hot wire and uh, that hot wire started a fire. And so we had our project manager at the time run under the crawl space with a hose and basically put it out. But at the same time, somebody called 911 and the fire trucks came up and the, and the uh, firemen came in the house and they came in with chainsaws blazing and they wanted to cut our floor wide open. And my wife, Joni, was like, there is no effing way you are cutting that floor. The fire is out because this was literally like two days before block party and they were going to yeah. cut right through four joists. I mean, it it was like... We were on the final stretch. We needed to get things done, the timelines, the pressure. And and then I got a call from, she'll remain nameless, but she called me on my cell phone. And she was like, you need to get to the uh, Street of Dreams right now. Your house is on fire. And I was like, what? And she's like, I don't know. That's all I know. Got to go. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I drove like 100 miles an hour thinking, oh, shit, my house burned down. Like, I was like, I hope our insurance policy, uh, just all these things going on in my head, right? Like, yeah. and then I get there and they're like, oh, we put it out. And I was like, I still to this day want to wring that woman's neck because she just, oh, uh, she passed the, the news without any sort of detail. And that was the longest 20 minute car ride of my life to get there. But anyway, we, it didn't burn down. But, uh, yeah. That aside. Story. So that shows you the stress. You you probably have one of the most stressful um, home stretch stories of, of all time. <laughs> yeah. But nonetheless, even even under the best of circumstances, even if that fire hadn't happened, you were under the gun. Yeah, it's happening quickly. It's stressful Every for everybody, and you know when you get to the the finish line, it's kind of a sigh of relief. It's you know, and then you got to go through the show part, which you got to start. You know, your house has to be staffed because you've got basically 12 hours a day or more of you know open house, and you have to have people there at multiple locations in the house. Make sure nobody falls, nobody's you know damaging stuff, stealing stuff, doing all the things that you would think normal adults wouldn't do. But you put that many people through a house and a show, and guess what? They do it. So it's you know the fun starts. To, it's a different type of fun that you have after the show begins. But getting to that point where the house is done is. It's a feat, and so I, I have to, sit, you know, hats off to everybody that actually gets that done. So whatever I say beyond this, I have a mutual respect for just the fact that they get it done. So I, I just think that's important to put out there. But beyond that, what did you think? I'll put you on the hot seat first. What did you okay, think so of location? Look, we're not even talking houses. Yep. Like if, if there was tents on the site, what would you have thought of the location? So I'll start. I like it. I like it for the deep west side. Now. I will never live in the deep west side, and it's not that I don't like the area or think it's beautiful. In fact, I love the reserve golf course. Um, you're a golfer. I'm sure you play there you know, from time to time, Tucker. They've got two courses there. The backdrop was beautiful. When I was in the houses, I was seeing the rolling hills, and, and I was there at a point where there was the sun was going down, and the sunset was gorgeous. The, the colors in the sky and the, and the backdrop was amazing. It's a classy golf course. It's got a great clubhouse. You know, they used to hold the senior tour there. You remember that back mm -hmm. in the early 2000s? They've moved it now. but So it's a course that can hold its own. 
And so I, I do like the location. Reason I would never live there is I'm a realtor and I work the entire metro area. When we had friends who came from Happy Valley at you know five o'clock traffic, it took them an hour and a half to get there, maybe even longer, like an hour forty minutes. So for that reason, I'm a, I like to be central. I like to either be in the downtown Southwest Portland, Lake Oswego, you know, even West Lynn or parts of Tigard are all considered central to me. Even Tualatin, maybe even though it's a little south. So I don't like the extreme edges of the ta- of the metro area. That would include, you know, to the east side as well. I, you know, I've, I'm not a Happy Valley person for that same reason. But that said, there are plenty of people. And from a location standpoint, I think that location probably is better than Happy Valley because it is west side and because it is close to Intel, Nike, and so much industry. The tech corridor overall, I think it's a great location. I like the change up. I can't think of the last time they had a location in Hillsboro. Can you? It, it may have happened once, but it's not in the recent past. Yeah, I'm not sure that I can remember one. I I did hear that next year's site is somewhere out there as well, um, or at least that was the whisperings of it. I don't know if it's been uh, confirmed completely, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely out there. It's on the edge. We'll give it that. There's no question. You what do you think of the location? You know, I used to live in Aloha, um, not too far from there growing up um, before uh, I eventually moved uh, to West Lynn and went to high school. But, um, you know, Aloha has been one of those areas that's that's kind of trapped in time. It hasn't improved in about 30 years. So it's uh, it's just moderately okay, we'll call it. And so this area kind of butts up next to that, the TV highway area questionable in spots in terms of just, you know, oh, yeah. overall oh, yeah. feel and you know, the uh, characters that wander the streets there from time to time. So it's, I don't know, I think that the location's questionable. I, it's not questionable for certain price points. It's it's no-brainer for certain price points. My biggest concern would be, can that area, that location, support the type of building that is required for a show home? That is kind of my biggest, uh, That would be that would be my biggest concern. And of course, there's the golf course piece that is there, which, you know, I suppose elevates the values and, you know, what people, you know, at least perceive or will get for the homes. But if you strip the golf course piece out, I don't think that, um, you know, you're anywhere close to those values. So I don't know about uh, location wise, I never go out that far. We don't take on any projects out there, but that's, you know, that's big big plat land that's big developer land that's where you know you basically plat 30 40 100 homes um and that's just kind of the way it goes you know that's that's arbor country as we'll call it right although now it's polished country because polish owns most of that dirt out there but we we're mainly infill and so you know we just we don't go out that far um and i hate the traffic too so so i don't know Uh, location okay the reserve great golf course but uh overall uh, it was it was okay we'll say yeah, and and let me be clear, Tucker. I wasn't saying, hey, it's a great location. Every builder should go, you know, start building there and, and build two million dollar homes. I just meant from you know, Street of Dreams locations are so hard to come by. They are, right? and they are I tough. I can only imagine, especially you know, you're trying to put them in the nice areas where you that support the two million dollar homes. I don't think they should go there and build two million dollar homes like you would have in Lake Oswego, but to build six or seven or whatever. Well, there's six homes now, and maybe they build a couple more around them in the coming years and have just a tiny pocket where maybe some Intel executives want to live on a golf course. Yeah, you know, 
there is some sketchy stuff as you leave that immediate location. You know, you get on TV highway and there's like peeps and all these, yeah, 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 yeah. All, all these, all these sketchy businesses and, and, you know, nothing, you know, it's definitely not Bridgeport or downtown Lake Oswego, but, um, <laughs> but for the immediate location and what, what, what you're looking at. And I would also give it a nice score for the change up, just having it be different. Gosh, I mean, how many times can we do Happy Valley, Westland, Lake Oswego and Oregon City, which is basically what it's been repeatedly in the last 15, 20 years. So I thought it was nice to change it up in that regards. Yeah, I think so. You know, the question just becomes then, of course, the houses. I know you were out jibber-jabbering with folks because, of course, you know, a lot of these folks you don't see other than once a year at the block party. So it's, sometimes it's hard to get through the houses. Me, personally, I go through the houses first and then kind of jibber-jabber second because I'm kind of there to actually see, you know, I'm uh, just a little more critical in terms of Maybe not critical, interested, we'll call it, in the actual houses and construction. And, of course, I you know I know a couple of the builders, and I just want to see what the finished product looks like. But that aside, what did you think of the actual houses that you toured? I thought they were great. I thought they were great, and I did get a chance. I jibber-jabbered first, and then there came a point. I knew you and I were going to do this podcast, and I was like, I better I better walk through these houses. And I did, and I, I took a... I took a little book and I jotted down a few notes and we'll go through some of them here later. But on a high level, all of them together, lumping them all together, big theme. And I don't know that this is new and you I'll let you speak to this was everything was master on the main. Are you seeing any luxury homes, new homes not be master on the main? I was just curious. Not really. I mean, I, you know, it's it depends. Lake Oswego is kind of split. Um, the stuff we're doing in LO right now, one of them's master on the main, one of them isn't. The challenge is whether or not you can get big enough lots in order to do that. So, you know, because it if, cuts into your living space. Yeah, exactly. So you need probably, we'll call it ten to fifteen thousand square foot lots at a minimum in order to really make that happen without sacrificing something in order to do that. So. Uh, I think these lots were, I don't remember what the size were, but they, they seemed like they were maybe 10, 12,000 square foot lots, something like that. They were right on the, the fringe of that. Um, and they might have been bigger because they kind of frayed out, you know, in the back, some of them. But, you know, I think that Master on the Main is definitely a plus. The only negative when we build those is that, you know, if somebody has little kids now, Sometimes it's a pain in the butt to have to go upstairs, you know, in the middle of the night to deal with them or new, you know, new babies or whatever. But as kids get older and the parents get older, Master on the Main is is definitely a big plus. Yeah. The other thing, and a couple other high-level observations, two million. Everything was within like a hundred thousand of two million. Did you notice that? Yeah. It's almost yeah. like they they talked in advance and go, hey, what's your price going to be? Okay, let's. I'm going to be two million. Okay, we'll all be two million. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we didn't have any of those conversations when when I did the show. And the other thing too to mention is that, you know, when I did the show, there were two spec homes, and originally there was going to be one, and that was going to be us. Everybody else was a custom, and usually the show is a custom home builder show. They use it to kind of display what they can do. They get a lot of people through, and then they generate leads for their business in order to be able to build custom homes over the course of the next year. This year, um, however, it was kind of flip-flop. There were more specs than there were customs, which seemed a little bit ballsy to me, to be honest with you, given the location and the price point. Generally, you know, you protect yourself as a home builder if you're building in that kind of questionable price point for the area. Um, if you're doing a custom, it doesn't matter, right? It removes risk, you're building off other people's desires and money, and you're just executing their vision to some extent. 
Um, but when you're executing your own vision at that price point, it becomes a much different game. And so I was surprised to hear that um, the majority of the homes are actually spec homes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that's also a sign of the market, too, even though, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. You know, is the market changing under our feet? And we, we can have that on a different podcast. When we were just coming out of the recession, and you were you were just in the early, you know, 2013 was barely out of the recession. I mean, 12 was when things started to turn. Builders were really skittish, and, and custom home or spec home money was still pretty tight. Here we are five years later, and, and that's really loosened up, and confidence is a little higher. So I think it shows that as well. Other thing I'd say on a high level, I was a little disappointed. I like swimming pools at these. I would have loved to have seen an infinity pool off the back of one with the views of the golf course coming from it. There was not one single pool. I'm a believer that if you're gonna have a $2 million home, I like to have some kind of centerpiece or something that really, really makes it special. I guess in this case, it was the golf course views, which which is okay, that's arguable, but, but you know, I think pools can be great that way. Obviously, sometimes you have other types of views that really are jaw-dropping. I mean, the lots weren't that big. That's what I'm getting at here. So, yeah. you know, if for, and I don't, I think there were some restrictions on what they could and couldn't have based on uh, up against the golf course. And then, you know, one, it's probably true. Yeah. Man. One of the things I noticed is that in Phil's house, which was uh, the modern farmhouse, he actually, I told you this at the show, but he took a golf ball to the window just before the block party and the golf ball is actually still sitting in the window. So for anybody <laughs> listening, they probably saw that it was in the master bedroom on the main. So you could imagine if you got a pool back there, there might have been some form of, you know, I don't know, restrictions or even the the, the possibility that you take golf ball to the side of the dome uh, at a high speed might not be a good thing. So Yeah, you're probably right. I know on Stone Creek out in Oregon City, there's one house with a pool, but it's a little ways back off the course. So maybe you're right. These were right up on the course. I have shanked into that house. So <laughs> <laughs> I will say I did shank up there one time, but you know that aside I, the lots just weren't big enough um at the end of the day and so the way that they you know decided to plat these lots they just they weren't big enough and so they had to build or they built homes that are basically between i think they were between 43 and 5300 square feet which are sizable homes for the lot size um and so that just doesn't leave a whole lot of extra space uh for you know water features although i will say funny story I stepped in one of the water features, uh, Polish's house. I, I feel like maybe they should have widened that walkway going up to the front door because I stepped to the side to let somebody come out that was going in, and uh, I took a small step to the uh, behind me and I went straight down into the water feature. So I walked oh. around. I walked around with a wet foot all night because of that. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that sucks. That's. A, and one other thing I'm thinking. I was thinking about because we're talking about the houses and obviously when you talk about the houses there's critiquing that happens as well as complimenting and and I have a lot of great things to say about most of the houses I think I think they were all there was no Japanese houses here remember that one last year Well there was but they I think they learned their lesson I, I'm sorry I didn't mean Japan I I mean there's there was no ick house there was no like WTF house Yeah yeah so they they built in the show again but they definitely dialed it back this year Yeah and they put out a, a more, we'll call it middle of the road product versus yeah. an extremist type product. Yep, yep, yeah. That's what I meant by that. There was no WTF house like, oh my God, what are you doing? Do you... <laughs> and by the way, did you know that house? I've heard, and I, I haven't confirmed this, but did you know it's still on the market from I, last year? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. So no, I think they all the builders built a, a desirable home for the most part. I think they were all tasteful. They all 
they all had good appeal. There wasn't one that I went into and go, I would never live here. This is this is you know god awful. But on that note, when you talk about building in the street of dreams, and I, I remember thinking this at one point as I was walking through a house and I just heard everybody going, oh, I hate this, I hate that. And I'm thinking, you know, somewhere in this house is the builder just mm -hmm. cringing. And you gotta have thick skin to be a street of dreams builder. You know, because yeah. everybody's a Monday morning quarterback and everybody is really vocal as they walk through those houses. And you're never gonna make everybody happy, right? No, I mean, no. regardless of what you have, there's gonna be somebody going, well, why did they do this? This didn't make a lot of sense. And so when you, when you give kudos and appreciate on the builders, you gotta keep that in mind too. You know, one thing I realized, we did the show in the way that the show should probably be done, which is showing new design stuff that's kind of fresh and new and what's coming. Portland in general is like, we're like a couple years behind on the design train in terms of new stuff. We're just, it's just the way that it is. Um, we're not a design mecca. And so when we did the show, we did a lot of design things that the year after, the year after that, the year after that, a lot of the elements and the selections that we used were used in all the houses moving forward. But that year, there were a lot of Monday morning quarterbacks who were like, I don't like that. I don't like that. But then guess what? The next year and the next year and the next year. And even now, a lot of them use our same flooring, our same tile, our same, you know, fix, uh, all kinds of fixtures. Um, barn doors. Barn yeah. doors. Yeah, we were the first ones to do barn doors in the street. Yeah, right? barn doors. Um, so there was... Barn doors, and, and that's a big thing. There was a yeah. lot of them this year. Yeah, yeah, so now what I've determined that the Street of Dreams is is that the Monday morning quarterbacks like to see what they're already comfortable seeing. And if they see stuff that they haven't seen before, the general reaction is, oh, I don't know. And then you get mm -hmm. that kind of like, hopefully the builder's not standing right behind you. And I, you know, of course I was many a times when we did the show and you have to have thick skin, but I think people just in general, they want to see what they've sort of seen before, just a version of it. And if they see something different, then that's usually the reaction you get most of the time. Yeah last thing I'll say about the overall street it was a nice size it was spacious last year in Happy Valley was pretty cramped it felt kind of congested from a space wise of just the entire street and you know how the, the houses were were laid out there and, and this one kind of it flowed nicely and so it was it was pretty roomy and airy and I thought that was cool so one thing you, you may not have noticed though is that those streets are actually not that wide so you notice on the way in, they, uh, if you park cars on both sides, only one car can pass. So that's going to be a challenge moving forward for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about some houses. Number one was Westlake Development. So this one, as you come in, was the first one on the right. There's kind of like a wetland that it, it butts up against. Yeah, um, I thought mosquitoes might be a problem for the back uh, patio on that one. I started getting eaten up out there a little bit. So it's a, it's kind of a retention pond-ish thing. But that aside, uh, I thought the uh, it had great views of the golf course there at the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I have here in my notes great views of the course. I, it had a nice island, I believe, is what I, I put here in my notes. Smallish master, but it had a really nice master bath. One thing about that house is the, uh, I think that was a custom, so Gerald always build customs, and I'm pretty sure it was the man that wanted to bring oak back in a strong way, because he had oak everything in that house. Hey, you just made me think of something, Tucker. I saw a lot of goldish brass. Yeah, brass is and making I, a comeback. I made a, I made a comment. It's almost like... It reminds you of clothing, you know, all those things from the 70s, big, big collared shirts that we hated in the 80s. 
and then they came back in the 90s and 2000s. I mean, think styles come back, and I'm not sure if I'm ready for for brass to come back or and i don't think it's brass and they never come back exactly the same there's 90s like, brass and then there's the new brass yeah, there's yeah. The, and they're different yeah styles never come back exactly the same you know if in the 2000s you just went and bought a 70s shirt and started wearing it you, you wouldn't it wouldn't look right but what they did is they kind of took some of those those trends the big collar and and then and they bring it back in a new new way and that's what i felt was happening you started to see I don't even know that it's necessarily brass, but you started to see yellow fixtures, goldish-looking fixtures, and yeah, it's interesting. I, that, that was a big takeaway for me, and I saw it through several houses. Back to Westlake Development, real quickly. It is the most expensive one. They're actually 2.25 million, 5,100 square feet, four bedroom, three bath, and a half bath. You got anything else on that one before we move on? Yeah, that was one of them that only had a two-car garage. So the people who built that are going to kick themselves. And then you know what? If they ever decide to sell it because they got a $2.25 million home with only a two-car garage. So that was a big mistake. But Yeah, yeah, I see that here. Yep. Yeah. Other than that, it was a custom. So, oh, they didn't insulate the crawl space. They insulated the foundation wall. So that was something kind of interesting. And then they also ran the windows all the way to the floor, if you noticed, versus um, having uh, some trim uh, and then running the windows to the top of the trim or having a little space there. So that was a little different. They had a few things they did differently there. But overall, you know, it was a custom house. So it's, it was kind of a combination of, you know, what Gerald could do for him and then also, you know, what the people wanted. So Yeah, yeah. Customs are always interesting in that regards. Because the the developers got to keep pulling them hard, going no, yep. this, this is this is gonna this is gonna showpiece me. So I need it to be something something that I like and that represents me well. Hey, let's move on to number two. This was the Japanese theme one. So are, am I hearing you correctly that this developer is the same one from last year? Yep, the this Japanese is the, house? this is the same one. I thought they had the best lot in the whole show honestly um their view off the back i don't know if you made it to their um their back balcony upstairs off the kind of game yeah yeah that yeah. was that was solid that was a very comfortable space um i really liked their garage doors i thought they uh those garage doors that they had on were really cool um, but they definitely dialed it back from last year's as you would call it wtf house yeah oh absolutely absolutely very japanese still which which is which can be really cool wasn't really my thing, but it was it was contemporary. Almost exactly two million, forty seven hundred square feet, four bedroom, four bath. Yeah, so this one, my again, my I like this overall. I thought it was a, a comfortable home, but again, two car garage. I think that was a mistake. And what really drove me nuts about this one, and actually the one before it, is they didn't wire for TV above the damn fireplace. They had the TV oh to the right down in the corner, yeah. Yeah. and it just drives me nuts me when too. builders me do too. that. And, that. And they actually had a TV on, they had it staged, and it was going. And so they had the furniture set up as if the TV should be above the fireplace, but it was crammed down in the right corner. Absolutely. And, Tucker, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, I, every time I see builders do that, I just it drives me crazy because it's like, yeah. you know. Yep. And so anyway. they have. It, I mean, it had a very open room. Very open, and builders need to acknowledge that in our day and time, people are going to want at least probably in a house like this at least a 70-inch TV, maybe even bigger as time goes on, and they're going to want it in that great room in a good place. So rather than build your fireplace and then after the fact go, okay, now where are we going to put the TV? 
I think builders need to acknowledge we're going to design this so that a, a TV can be somewhere in a great location that's central, and then we'll build the house around that. I know it sounds, you know, what, it, would would you agree with that, Tucker? Yeah, I, I mean that's how we build all of our stuff. So yeah. I, I think that you have to create a comfortable living area, and you know where the TV placement is is part of that, a big part of that. And I get it's challenging. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you want these fireplaces. You want, you know, you want the stone work. You want it to be visible. But, but I think there's a way to do it, and and, and I've seen it done well. Yeah, um, it's not I, that challenging, Steve. You just have to think about it. <laughs> I get frustrated when when I when you, you see these amazing homes and you're like, where the hell are you gonna put a TV? Yeah. And and then you see their little weird options, and this this was one of them. I did make a notation that the first three homes have a lot of similarities. They kind of blurred together a little bit. I know the Japanese one had had some uniquenesses in that regards, but I felt like the floor plans kind of they they kind of had a lot of similarities in their layouts. Um, it wasn't until the fourth home, which was BC Custom Homes, that I really felt like okay, now where this is way different and. I, it was the really industrial one. You remember that one? Yeah, BC always pushes the envelope on um, you know their design stuff, and this this house was definitely no, you know, they didn't deviate from that on this one. That's for sure. Yeah, this in my notes I've got they're bringing back brass <laughs> or or whatever the material is that that has um, the goldish look similar to brass. One of the things I noticed, and I think I I made a note here. This is a balancing act for builders because you want to be cutting edge and you want to be now and trendy now but I also there's there's times when you look at amenities and you're like you know that could be cool today but 10 years from now are we going to be staring at that and going oh my god yeah. how do I get this out of here and I felt like this home had stuff like that really really cut you know really really edgy really really cutting edge really really maybe hip-ish but you could tell that time was going to not smile upon it after... This you know. might be the one that shows up at the 20-year reunion. You're like, you aged a lot, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Home number five was... This was Phil's house. Um, Phil Polish, who uh, now has his own company, uh, Legacy Built Custom Homes which was basically his rendition of uh, kind of a, well, not kind of, it is a modern farmhouse. And this was the one that took the golf ball to the uh, master bedroom window. Do you like the garage doors angled to the middle like this one had? I mean, it's your typical L-shaped plan that, yeah. you know, he did do 10-foot garage doors. I don't know if you noticed that, but that's a big cost difference. And it's, most houses have 8-foot doors, and uh, he did 10-foot doors. And so that that was made it feel grander in terms of that. Um, overall, I, I thought that he did a good job. I mean, my house that I live in is a version of this. Um, you know, there's some some differences, but um, you know, I we built a modern farmhouse that I live in, and so you know, overall, um, I think that he did a pretty good job. There was um, some tile upstairs in the hall bathroom that I I thought was really cool tile. It was probably the coolest tile that I saw in the whole show. But what what do you think? So I've got some notes here. First of all, one thing I'll tell you, I went to, on House 6, I saw Dan Polish, and I ended up talking to him for about 20, 25 minutes. There is no bad blood between them. <laughs> I no. Asked, he goes, no, I was working on that house, you know, earlier in the week. He, so they're they're totally good. It's not like there was a bad breakup of like, hey, I'm going and doing my own thing. No. All's good. Because I, I kind of wondered that at first. I was like, that's weird. You've got a Street of Dreams home, and your, bro and your family's got one right next to you. A couple things, you know, I didn't love this one, Tucker. I'll tell you a few things I didn't like. It's there's a lot of white. It's it's a completely whitewashed house. Yeah. 
he overdid it with the shiplap. I thought shiplap. If and is that the right term I'm using? Yep. Those boards inside. Yeah. Shiplap is coming back, and I am seeing it tastefully done, and it is cool. But do you remember on the stairs? It was just it was just a wall. It was like a uh, just a 20 foot wall of shiplap with no with no decorations or any type of paintings or anything. It was just it was just shiplap as far as the eye could see. Didn't love that. It was a pretty basic house, I thought. You know, the subway tile in the kitchen I thought was pretty average. It's probably comparable to what you'd see in a $500,000 house that, you know, Polygon builds. I saw this one had more brass coming back. I made a notation that there was a lot of yellowish, goldish amenities. There was a bath in the shower, which was different and interesting. I don't know if I like it or, or not, but it was different. You actually had a shower and then there was yep. a bath inside. There, there of it. are people building that way. We don't do it, but it that's like one of those uh new kind of edgy hip type trends, I guess we'll call it. There were no built-ins. Do you remember that? There was a big space on both sides yeah. of the fireplace and and they had like they brought cabinets in. But... I checked for wiring. I was looking behind the big picture that he hung on the fireplace. And I'm not sure that I saw any for a TV, so I don't know. We'll we'll leave that one. Uh, we'll call it uh, unknown in terms of whether yeah. or not he wired well, I, the TV. I wrote terrible TV arrangement. Figure that out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so sorry, Phil. Uh, yeah, we'll have sorry, to figure that Phil. out. Yeah. You're a great guy, I'm sure. Uh, but this we're we're Monday morning quarterbacking. And by the way, if I was building a house, it wouldn't be any better. It'd be 50 times worse. I've never built a house, so I get to I get to do that. So the last one was polished homes. I'll be honest, I didn't get a lot of notes. I, I ran into Dan in the back. They were they were all talking, and I ended up talking to him more than I did looking at the house. At a glance, I liked everything I saw. I thought the curb appeal was great. I had nothing bad to say about the house from my my seeing it. What did you think of that one? I thought this was like the most comfortable house. Like you know, you walk through it and you feel like you could kick your feet up and hang out. It was um, it wasn't amazing. Didn't knock my socks off. But I feel like they built the right amount of square feet for you know the street. Um, this home is only 3,700 square feet, whereas some of the other ones were 5,000. So if I was specking a home on this street in this area, I would probably have kept that number closer to what they did just so that my costs are lower. Um, but overall, you know, I think that they had some cool um, exterior stuff that made it look neat. They did some cedar. Um, I did step in their pond, so, you know, <laughs> that damn walkway. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> overall, I mean, I missed a few things in there because I was walking around with a wet foot. This was the house and the first one that I toured with my foot all wet. But overall, I felt it was pretty comfortable. Um, it just felt like you could live in it. And, um, you know, it didn't, didn't knock my socks off, but it, it definitely felt comfortable and livable. Yeah, I asked Phil, or not Phil, um, Dan, because you, you, you and I talked earlier in the day, and you're like, yeah, once you do One Street of Dreams house, you, you know, most people don't want to do it. And I was like, Dan, you guys do this all the time. Like, you know, you've done several, and you guys are, you guys are a big reputable builder. You don't need to, to, to get your reputation on the map. What are you, what are you doing? He goes, I just love it. He's, he, he gets the adrenaline rush, and so I was trying to do better. So it was kind of an interesting conversation. Last but not least, Tucker, and I know you've got to go. Tiny house. How did you like the tiny house? You know did what you I. I didn't even go through it. I, I thought it was kind of a gimmick, like the gals that were dangling from the, uh, you know, whatever you call it. And so I, I didn't make it through the tiny house. I did. I did. Oh my gosh! It's so small. You got to go outside to change your mind. Um, <laughs> the bed area is terrible. Like, did you pick up that joke while you were there on site? Is that what somebody yeah, said? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, all right. The uh, 
it would be a good little trailer. Like if you had it as a as a mobile home or like a you know a, a RV or a uh, some kind of uh, vehicle that you that you travel around in, um, it would be good for that. To, the idea of ever living in something that small on a sustainable basis has 0, 0.0 appeal to me in every way. Yeah, but it was interesting to see one and to see you know. I think uh, the tiny homes thing is going to be kind of like mom's jeans. We look at it as a, it was just a bad idea that makes a little bit of a comeback, but we'll see. Uh, I, yeah. they, they serve a purpose. I just don't know how big of a subset of the market that purpose serves, you know? So. Yep, yep. But overall, it was a fun time. It was a, you know, it was a hot, nice night. They had a lot of, uh, you know, food and drink. And, you know, I saw a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, well, since the last one we'll call it um and so it's it's a fun event and uh you know as always it's just fun to kind of go out and kind of jibber jabber with everybody that you don't see that often yeah no i think it's a great it was one of my favorite block parties to be honest with you just just from uh it was really hot but luckily the sun started to go down and it started to get be shaded by the houses and and it wasn't too bad after within an hour of being there but great group of people there had a blast running into people but also enjoyed the houses enjoyed the different location of it and i highly highly recommend any any of our listeners out there get to it go it's a it's a great you know a lot of people will go a lot of agents will go to realtor day that's this coming monday that's a good time and that's also you know i don't think i'm going to be there this monday myself personally but i know for a lot of agents that's a great time to go and they and they also get to see a lot of people they know and run into you know familiar faces and, and maybe people they haven't met but they've done deals with but if, uh, even beyond that, it's a great date night. It's a great time to you know get out there and and have a uh, a good time seeing uh, the Super Bowl of our industry. That's right. That's right. Cool. Well, I think that was a good recap. As uh, we mentioned, I'm kind of up against some time today, but uh, we want to get this knocked out. But uh, overall, it was a great time. Congrats to all the builders that got it done in time, and uh, hopefully it's a successful show for everybody. And I hope that all of them, regardless of what we, you know, our comments are, sell them, and uh, they get what they want for them. So. Absolutely. So, all right, guys, this wraps up episode 85. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to our show and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.